0: Welcome to the There It Is podcast, a comedy podcast to help you find your inspiration. I'm your host, Jason Farr. Let's do this. Great episode today. We talked to improviser Kristen Nutter of Salad Comedy in Dallas, Texas. She's in a really fun stage in her improv journey. It's the stage where you're super excited and discovering all these perspectives and taking in improv from all over. I met her when she took a trip to New York City and went to the Magnet for some shows, and we talk in this episode about all of that and the brilliant way that she started her comedy troupe Salad. She's super cool. But before that, I think we need to briefly talk about Joe Coy at the Golden Globes, right? I think we do. It's interesting that this episode is coming right after that performance at the Golden Globes, because in this episode, Kristen talks about noticing the confidence of stand-ups she saw when she was visiting New York City and how they powered through when a joke didn't go over well. She specifically mentions that. They didn't comment on it, and they just moved on. You've seen stand-ups at a mic tell a joke that didn't go over well and then go, "Uh, that's a new one. that defensive attempt to explain it away, that's exactly what Joe Coy did. He said a couple of times, that's one of the jokes the writers wrote, right? Like, you remember he said that? Now, I'm nowhere near as successful as Joe Coy is, but even I can tell you, there are two big mistakes in what he was doing there. Okay, one, commenting on it. When a joke bombs, don't explain it away. Just Power through when you exude confidence, you control the room, and that's something you have to do when you are on stage. You are trying to control the focus and you're not trying to distract from your jokes. And when a joke doesn't go well and you go, Oh yeah, yeah that didn't that didn't go well. huh? Oh, you guys didn't like that, or oh that's a new one. I'm I'm still working on that. That totally distracts the audience from focusing on the jokes. So just power through get to the next joke. Second big mistake, blaming the writers. That was a bad one, right? Don't blame the writers. Not only is it crappy to throw them under the bus, he also shirked his duties. No one forced him to tell those jokes. If you host one of those shows, you pick out the jokes from the writing team. Part of the job is discerning what is good enough and punching up jokes that aren't to make them good enough. So don't blame the writers for jokes at Bomb because you picked the jokes out and you didn't improve them. I was actually talking to this with fiance of the show Justina. We get married this year. Anyway, she was saying, he's the one telling the jokes, so he has to tell them well. And she's absolutely right. You're the one up there, so you have to perform well. If you don't perform well, don't blame the writers. That's as lazy as those jokes were. I will add a gig like that. Isn't as easy as people who are good at it makes it seem like you don't notice how tough it is when someone's doing well, whether it's Tina and Amy or Crystal back in the day or Chris Rock, like they make it look easy. Honestly, Chris Rock getting slapped by Will Smith still made it look easier to go up there and tell jokes than Joe Coy made it look at the Golden Globes. So I, I will give him that comedy in general is tougher than it looks from the audience. It takes focus and clarity to write and perform good bits. And a foggy mind is such a drag for me. I can barely get things done between brain fog and distractions of the world especially in the first part of my day. I can't do anything about how other people can distract me, but I can do something to help me have more mental clarity, and it's drinking a shot of Magic Mind. Yes, I tried the product in those Instagram ads that we all skeptically watched. I went ahead and and gave it a try because I was tired of the jittery jolts of coffee That wired feeling is just not pleasant, so I figured I'd give Magic Mind a try, and look, it's no miracle drug. They're not promising the world, but it woke me up, and I didn't have that jittery feeling that I often have with caffeine, with like coffee, and I also noticed that it helped clear up some brain fog. And listen, if you like your coffee and it doesn't make you jittery, that's fine. You can still drink Magic Mind alongside it and get the extra benefits from ingredients like Lion's Mane, which is good for cognition, ashwagandha, and matcha. So give it a try. And this month only, you get one month for free when you're subscribing for three months. At magicmind.com slash Jan. There it is. There it is. <laughs> That's magicmind.com slash Jan. There it is. And use code there it is 20 for an extra 20% off. All right, on to today's episode. As I said, Kristen is super cool. We have a really great chat. Why don't we just get right to it? Here's my chat with Kristen Nutter meeting you recently. We met at the Magnet Theater. You were in town for a trip and from social media, it looks like you hit up a lot of comedy spots.
1: (laughs) I did. Uh, It was a whirlwind trip, that's for sure. And I did as much as I could. I was almost comedied out by the end.
0: (laughs) Oh, I bet. Yeah. There's so much comedy to take in, even just at any one theater that uh, after a few days. yeah. Yeah. But I saw you went to Comedy Cellar and
1: Gotham Brooklyn yeah. Comedy Collective, yeah, yeah, yeah. Great. All there, so.
0: unfortunately Second City doesn't have shows open yet because no, I know. there was word I, I there was something that went out a, a article went out a couple months ago that said November 16th would be when they were opening but mm-hmm. that didn't happen I don't think it looks like it's no. actually next month or in January that they're going to open so come back Yeah, you have to come back and UCB is opening Mm -hmm. back up in January. I heard that. Oh, that's January. They kept saying
1: fall and then didn't, they weren't open when I was there.
0: Yeah, they were trying to get certain things together with their space, I think. And um, Mm -hmm. so they, but they went ahead with auditions and then picking teams and were like, all right, everyone sit tight while we Mm -hmm. (laughs) get uh, the space together. And they're like next year, and we were like, "I hope it happens by January." Uh, apparently, it really
1: seems like space would be the limiting factor in New York. There's so
0: many places, though. I I thought that too, and you're in real estate, so you understand uh-huh. this better than I do. But they, it it's, I heard it's usually a problem of licensing, <laughs> getting mm-hmm. licenses. Because they're, they're yeah. places that people get and they renovate it and change it and make it a stage. But mm-hmm. it's the licensing that ends up being the big hassle for people.
1: Yeah. Like specifically like liquor licensing? I think it's or... liquor,
0: but also like uh, using a space as a stage, like to mm-hmm. put on stage shows. Fascinating.
1: Yeah. I didn't know that was a thing.
0: I didn't either. And I found out about it because one of the places here, the asylum is still on hold because they're trying wow. to get the stuff together and maybe it's like a code thing i don't i don't know all the yeah. ins and outs of this. or year. like a
1: new york thing
0: yeah i mean it's and it certainly is number like of people in a york small
1: thing. area yeah
0: yeah and then they're just like weird things on the books that no one understands why they're on the books. Right. so it's slowing down <laughs> a couple of theaters some opening back up but hopefully they all will be up and running next year when you come back to visit
1: i know i'm excited i'll be
0: good Yeah. So was this kind of a fact finding mission for you when you were coming here and seeing all these different comedy shows?
1: Inadvertently. Yeah, I'm definitely going to (laughs) write it off. I actually came because a friend of mine posted on Instagram and she and her husband moved to Brooklyn Heights and she's pursuing Broadway. She's a really gifted singer. She posted on Instagram. Hey, does anyone want to watch our dog while we're out of town? And I thought that sounds like the perfect gig free place mm-hmm. to stay mm-hmm. and get to hang out with a big fluffy dog. So yeah, that worked out and it just so happened. you know I, I was there for a week and comedy was on the brain and I just destroyed that city <laughs> with all of the comedy that I saw. Yeah. Well, that's it was awesome. such a yeah. fun, fun, such a fun week. Yeah. yeah. So I, it was even more fun that my, my favorite story is there's, There's this. So I went to comedy cellar Monday night Mm -hmm. and with with my friend and got to go to the show where they all the comics are are practicing their jokes. They're trying out new jokes to Mm -hmm. see if they're funny. So that's always fascinating because it's kind of a look behind the curtain. And there was this guy that was he was hosting that show. And then I went to Gotham and the same person, that same guy was performing as one of the comedians that night. And I was like, Oh, that's kind of fun twice in one week. And then by Friday I had gone to a show caveat. And then I decided to just meander back to comedy Cellar see if I could stand in line and just see what happened. And then I saw that same guy just standing outside and we made conversation and he's like, well, if you can't figure it out, come find me. And maybe I'll put in a good word for you. And so I, I went back and hung out with him and he let me he let me hang out essentially in the green room with all the comics while they were waiting to go on and perform. And then Tina Frimo walked in to do her set right after she had come from Jimmy Fallon. And so it was like me hanging out with <laughs> Tina being like, congratulations. What was that like? <laughs> and then we we like were at the same bar celebrating with her watching it on the big screen. So it was like just oh, a super surreal awesome. experience. That is yeah, surreal. It was like the perfect New York comedy week.
0: Yeah, that's very
1: yeah. cool. Yeah.
0: I don't even get to do that many shows and, <laughs> and see behind the veil as much as you did. That's really cool. Awesome. Very cool. And yeah, you, so you are you were in town, but you are from and currently live in Dallas. That's right. Dallas, Texas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you do comedy out there. You started I do. a collective called Salad, just Dallas I did. backwards. It's
1: <laughs> right. Dallas yeah. backwards. Salad with two L's.
0: That's right. That's right. So when did you get into comedy? Yeah,
1: great question. And (laughs) it's just funny because I never, I I thought of myself, like if I was in, in a group of people, I was maybe like the Chandler being of the group a little bit, like the kind of sarcastic, quippy one. And um, I never thought of myself as funny and I don't know that I do currently, but (laughs) Around this time last year, one of my good friends, John, who is in Salad, had taken classes. It's very common. You know, if you're wanting to get into comedy, you go take classes, improv classes, stand-up classes at different comedy clubs and whatnot. And he'd taken a class and they had their little end of semester performance. And I, I didn't even know this was a thing. I didn't know you could take classes. I didn't know that at the end of classes you performed. I just was going to see my friend perform. And I attended his little performance and he did such a great job and was so funny that I thought, man, what would happen if I got John in a room with all of my other funny friends from different friend groups? And in Dallas, I've I've grown up here. I have a lot of friends from a lot of different circles. And Mm -hmm. I just sort of thought, okay, who's funny over here? Who's funny over here? I wanted it to be a group of people that was kind of random, that didn't know each other. And I wanted it to be people that weren't super experienced in comedy, but who had some natural inclinations and would be mm-hmm. fun to hang out with. And so I made a list of people and systematically like one by one, asked them to copy and presented the vision to them and was like, do you want to try this? Do you want to do it? Yeah. And they all said yes. And so in February, we had our first practice and I, I Kelsey is one of the other girls in our troop and. And she and I were having, when we had coffee, she said, you should, you should make a documentary about this. That'd be so interesting. And just her saying that cued me to think what would happen if I filmed this process, if I documented it, cause it's so unconventional. It's, it's kind of backwards. Like you create yeah. a troop before you've trained, but you <laughs> right. were like training, we're training together and building chemistry from scratch and from the ground up. And so I just started filming everything. And I filmed every single one of our practices. So I have footage from how terrible we were when we first started. And it's really funny to go back and watch.
0: Were um, they coachless right or, or did you have a coach?
1: Well, so because John had... John is the one who had the most training in comedy. And we had another guy. We have another guy named Caleb who has actually been on a troop before. He's the only one who's been on a troop before. But So we had had two experienced people. Um, And so John essentially was our coach throughout that process. He has really great instincts. And since then we've hired two other coaches throughout our journey to come in and guide us. But we really wanted to solidify our relationships first, especially because people didn't know each other. Mm -hmm. And so I really wanted to solidify our relationships and just have a lot of fun and play. And I would say I I also intentionally chose people that I believed would be self-learners and believed would be students of the process in like a pretty hardcore way. So we've all like, we talk about comedy all the time. We watch comedy together. We dissect everything. We debrief everything. I also, I don't think anyone on our team has any kind of an ego and everybody really wants feedback. So we're, I know that it's pretty, it. it doesn't usually work out well when you're self-coached because be, be like providing one another feedback can be really touchy and people oh, get yeah. their egos damaged. But I think that that was one of the things because none of us had done it before. We were all starting from scratch. We were all like, oh, like what if we tried this or what about that? And everyone's been really great about giving constructive mm-hmm. criticism and receiving constructive criticism well as a team. So. That was something that our coaches remarked about us as well. So That's it's good. been wild. So yeah, love coaching, <laughs> but it's not, it's been, yeah, we've, we're, we're like, what, what's going to happen? We don't know. <laughs>
0: yeah, you really, I mean, this gets us improv, but mm-hmm. especially with the, the approach you had and right. you're right, it was a, an unusual way to start that you start a troop and then you go into training, but that does mm-hmm. sort of set itself up for success because you found each other and now you're committing to doing this thing and, and learning mm-hmm. it together. And that really, everyone being on the same level, basically, I know there was that one performer who yeah. has been on a troop before, had been on a troop before, but you know, everyone's still basically saying you know, starting at the same spot. Also, you mentioned something I was very astute that you wanted to get to be friends with each other, get closer together and just have fun together, which yeah. really is the way to start any team in improv, mm-hmm. because, mm-hmm. you know, everything else is going to do well if you have that foundation there. Absolutely. But if it's a bunch of people there wanting to get ahead, I want to get on SNL and that's all they're thinking right. about. It gets in the way if they're just thinking about their career, how, how good they can be then it totally gets in the way of what the activity actually is, which is people mm-hmm. goofing around together and having fun together. So who, like, how did you all realize so soon, so early on in the process that you, you needed to just focus on getting close with each other and having fun?
1: Well, I think it came from, it's hard to know instincts or whatever, but I... I knew each of these people. I was the common denominator and I knew how great everybody was. And one of my favorite things to do in general is to just connect great people with great people and see oh, what comes matchmaker. of it. a matchmaker, okay. okay. <laughs> I am, I'm, I love matchmaking. I don't have any romantic matchmaking credit to my name, but friendships, <laughs> absolutely. And so so I I knew that if we got together, they would really enjoy each other. And I also knew that improv, requires trust and a place of safety and that relationship. And and there's, there's a difference between just like saying, Oh, this is a safe space and actually doing the work to create and generate trust and safety in the context of friendship. And so, yeah, it just, I knew we would be better off if we liked each other and had a lot of fun. I do a lot of other, other jams and stuff at the Dallas comedy club. And one of the rules is like each other. So oh, nice. that's uh, a good rule. Yeah. It's a great rule. Yeah. And sometimes it's, it's, you know, you're kind of forcing yourself, but in this case, I think, and, and I think the audience can tell when you like each other, the audience oh, yeah. knows when you are having fun together and respecting oh, yeah. each other. And a lot of times the audience just wants to s- show up and see people having a good time. Yeah. And playing together and doing something outside of their comfort zone, because it's almost in, just inspiring to an audience member to see what people are capable of doing mm-hmm. when they're getting outside of their comfort zone.
0: Yeah. Well, it's good glue for a team and for a show for people to like each other on that show and just celebrate each other right. because it, it cuts through a lot of emotional and creative blocks when you're going out to do a scene and you're worried, oh, this person always steamrolls me or this Mm -hmm. person always judges me, you're not going to open up as much. That scene's not going to have as much of a chance for success as Mm -hmm. it would if, you know, that that issue wasn't there. But if they are entering a scene, not judging you and celebrating you, then you're going to feel like you can do anything while you're on stage with them. And that's why that's so important
1: totally when i was there i ended up grabbing drinks with some people from i think one of the comedy troupes at ecc and we were just chatting cuz they had trained at io in chicago and so one of my and, and one of them actually was in town from la so i had new york chicago and la all in one little two person you know hang session and so I, of course i'm asking like what are the differences that you've noticed in between all three cities it was fascinating because they were like you know LA and New York tend to be a little more an improv it, people tend to be a little more individualistic and mm-hmm. kind and of chase focused. the slam dunk and industry yeah. focus and like getting ahead and and chasing the slam dunk and a scene chasing the one line in a scene whereas at in Chicago it's a lot more collaborative mm-hmm. and there's pros and cons to both. So, but in Chicago, it's a lot more collaborative. And I was just reflecting, like, is that also just a reflection of the Midwest too? And the Midwestern (laughs) people get into, into, just sort of happen to be in comedy, you know, for community in Chicago, not trying to like hit it big necessarily, but they just want to have fun. So it's just interesting, but it led me to think about this analogy of, of teamwork, almost like on a basketball court, you've got, you know, you've got teams in NBA and in college and stuff where it's centralized around this one player and just trying to get the ball to the one player who's going to slam dunk it. But then you've got these teams that have amazing collaboration, team efforts, working a zone, and all of that. And I think Mm -hmm. that my conclusion was ultimately like the dream is to kind of have both uh, a little bit where you've got a great, a great team. With lots of camaraderie and having fun, Dallas Mavericks I think has this because they've got mm. Luca, who's a star player, but everybody really likes each other, and that's what makes it seem mm. so fun. Because mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. they like each other and they work well together. So that's that was the analogy that came to mind. Like we don't no, have to shy away like... from the slam dunk. We, right. we want, it's okay he's to have a star he's player. He's a flashy
0: character who yeah. uh, who does like dribble a lot, so he he has the ball a lot in his hand, but mm-hmm. not at the expense of other players on the right. team still being able to feel like they're a part of the team.
1: Totally, totally. And, and I think part of like being a good team player is, is playing to one another's strengths. And if there's yeah. someone who is really gifted at, you know, one liners or really shines in physical comedy, like why wouldn't you set them up for success in those areas as opposed to try to steal that away from them too?
0: Right, yeah. And people can even fall into it Accidentally, not out of arrogance, where totally. they're just more thinking about like they're so almost neurotic about being funny. Like I want to be good enough, mm-hmm. and it's yeah. not out of a disrespect of everyone else. It's maybe even because they respect everyone else and think everyone mm-hmm. else on the team is so good. But they're like, oh, I I have to deliver. I have to I have to yeah. do something, and and it ends up still getting in the same way. Uh, it still, it still gets in the way in the same kind of way as someone who's trying to be the star
1: hmm well and it also misses what i think is the ultimate goal which is yeah. for the audience to leave happy for the audience <laughs> to leave yeah. like that was a great experience and one of the things that i've learned is that an audience can have a great experience and not be laughing every Good. single moment of a, of a performance like there's lots of different ways to enjoy something you can be fascinated by it you can yeah. be in awe you can be pondering something and thinking about it, and like being like, "Wow, I never thought of that before. That's so mm-hmm. interesting, or you're just like fat like like what is happening in front of me? I don't even know if it's funny or not, because I'm still working through yeah. the emotions of what I'm experiencing, right, And all of that is a win, and sometimes mm-hmm. you know if we're so if we're chasing the laugh, we'll miss other learning styles or opportunities to deliver a great product.
0: absolutely. I've had a couple of shows recently where afterwards we were like, oh, geez, it didn't seem like the audience was really into that. <laughs> um, and then someone would be like, well, you know, I looked out and they were all smiling pretty big. They just weren't laughing yeah. out loud. And yeah. then we would leave the backstage area and people would be like, oh, my gosh, that was so great. <laughs> Thank you so much. That was so right. fun. And I, we were like always shocked by that because we thought they weren't right. into it.
1: Because you can delight. Right. You can delight in something and that's a win right
0: there was a couple the other day who were talking during the show throughout the entire show and we were like why are they talking to each other they yeah. were trying to whisper but it was they were in the third row so it was like kind like of distracting and it yeah. was super distracting so we we're like if you're not into the show leave like that's just what we were thinking and then they were two the people who stopped us afterwards and were like that was such a great show thank you so much for
1: doing it yeah, yeah. a
0: lot of fun yeah. and you're we like okay I, yeah <laughs> I, Thought you weren't paying attention, but <laughs> that's hilarious. Yeah,
1: it's amazing. And some people need to verbally process what they're seeing. And, you know, I could right. see myself going with one of my teammates and being like, oh, my gosh, did you see what they did there? That uh-huh. was so cool. You know, you just never know. Right. You just never know. And it,
0: we also, once we heard them speak, we detected a thick accent. So English may mm-hmm. have been a second language and they may have mm-hmm. been explaining to each other what, True, ref- yeah. what we were referencing. So it's you yeah.
1: can never you never know.
0: You never know, and you can never assume when you're on stage what is Mm -hmm. going on in the audience with people. Mm -hmm. I think you really have to service the set and the art form and Mm -hmm. your fellow players on stage and just be in it with them and and have fun with that.
1: That means to me, though, that in the moment, the measure of success is, am I having fun? Do I think this is funny? Mm -hmm. Do I think this is... Of, am I enjoying what's happening right now? we're yeah. yeah, we having
0: fun together, regardless of what's happening.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And by doing that, the audience will have fun. Yeah. So
0: that's how it yeah. takes care of that. <laughs> Not worrying about mm-hmm. the audience is how you take care of the audience. Focusing. There's on a metaphor in there, probably yeah. <laughs> for life. I'm sure.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. There probably is. As a team, what are you all doing to other than practicing together and, and having your coaches come in with with plans? What are you doing to continue to grow? Are you reading books? Are you taking classes together?
1: We watch a lot of YouTube awesome. and send each other stuff all the time and talk about it. Our practices are two hours long and a lot of them is just getting reps in or trying out new things, new games and stuff. But we'll sit in a circle or on couches or whatever, and just talk about the theory of comedy. We like to have those brainstorming discussions about, about what we're learning. Cause it seems like each one of us is learning something new each week. And so we kind of bring that to the table and I think all of us value one another's opinions, but recently we also took a trip together to Chicago we saw that Ben Schwartz and Friends was on tour and that he was going through Chicago. And so we all got tickets and went up and then went to IO and Second City and did all the fun things together and had great team bonding. And And basically, we're just taking mental notes throughout and then would go get drinks or dinner or whatever and, and talk about what we learned and debrief together from our observations of what worked, what didn't, what we saw, what we noticed, what they did well, and most recently, Ben actually we found out he added Dallas to the tour, and so he went again <laughs> to oh, the yeah. Dallas show. I saw so that great.
0: you gotta meet Ben Schwartz.
1: I did, and actually I'm a little embarrassed to brag <laughs> about this, but I he <laughs> called on me both at the Chicago show and the Dallas show to get my stories. So that was that <laughs> was he, definitely the highlight. Do you think he remembers my him? stories? Well, I wondered, and I actually I, I thought about Giving them the exact same story because the story I gave in Chicago is really good. And the other the story I gave in Dallas still good, but not quite as like rich as the first one. So I thought about just doing the exact same story, just mess with them. But afterwards we we talked, you know, when he came out and was leaving the venue and he did not remember me. (laughs) He barely remembered my story. And then I reminded (laughs) him some of the things that that he did, but it's so true. Like I'm sure you have experienced this, where you'll do a whole show and you have no idea what just happened. Oh,
0: it. for sure. <laughs> yeah. Whenever a friend is like, "Oh, do you remember that time in college you did this bit?" and I was like, huh, "That sounds like me," but I don't. <laughs>
1: Can't remember. even remember my most recent bit. Sorry. <laughs> right, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No,
0: I I do not remember my stuff as well. Yeah, I remember mm-hmm. other people's stuff a little bit more.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: But you stand out. I can see it being that he didn't remember you from Chicago, but. You you do stand out in a crowd.
1: Yeah, you're tall. You- <laughs> I'm tall. <laughs> Eugene actually said, what "Was his last name Chow?" Eugene said that at the Dallas one when I stood up, he was like, "Oh my gosh, you were so tall!" Like I didn't even you just kept going like when you stood up. And I was like, "Thanks, I guess." I don't know. <laughs> <laughs>
0: well, that's his inferiority complex. No, I'm that's kidding. right. He's him. not yeah. a tall man. It's okay,
1: <laughs> but he's tall in spirit. <laughs> True, for
0: sure. Uh, you do have a presence, though, because when I met you, mm-hmm. I was like, "She looks awfully familiar." And you, you, re- yeah,
1: you, thought you, you command yeah.
0: attention. You mm. have a very stage presence thing about you. Thank you. Yeah, you. I think it's like you feel very centered, and so I think it, it, you set people at ease and and makes it easier for people to go up and speak to you, like I did. That's very and kind. Thank maybe you. Maybe like Ben pointed you out yeah, mm-hmm. uh, Ben was like, well, this person seems normal. I mean, right. normal and kind.
1: <laughs> I don't know. I may or may not have hooped and hollered a little bit. That could have had something to do. With <laughs> oh,
0: I maybe that. had a little something to do. With it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad that you got to do so much in two big comedy towns. And yeah. that you had the experience the way that you had it, because so cool that you got to go to Chicago with your your I know, true Yeah, that's like a great bonding experience. Mm-hmm. Are there any books that you all are reading or that you were reading?
1: Uh, you know, no, I don't read. I I read so many books in high school and then I got burned out on books. I'm really terrible about that. There so I'm, there. you're barking up the wrong tree, unfortunately. When it, <laughs> I believe, I, I welcome book recommendations so I can buy them yeah. and read one chapter. Make sure the first chapter is really good. <laughs> we should, our team should do a little book club. That actually now, is a great idea. I
0: don't know that on the website I have something about all the improv books. I think I, I do have an episode where I make some book recommendations.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: I should do a post of all of these great improv books that I've read. because yeah, there are that'd bunch. be helpful. Um, there's mm-hmm. Greg Tavares's book. He's out of Theater 99 in Charleston. That's called Mm -hmm. Improv for Everyone. That might be a good one. I think if you like a Chicago style and if there are actors or sort of an actor approach to improv in your troupe, that would be a good Mm -hmm. one to read. If you want a quick one just to get your feet wet and reading because you you don't want to (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Jill Bernard has a book that's kind of set up like a children's book, but it's okay. an adult can read it and not feel like they're being spoken down to. And it's called, I think the correct title is Cute little book about improv or cute small little Wait, book about Small,
1: cute book of improv. Ooh, that is fun. Yeah,
0: and it's short, it's quick, and I think it gives you really good tools. And yeah. I think about them all the time. I was like doing laundry the other day, and I just went right mm-hmm. back to her, like happy, sad, a frad. <laughs> like that sort right. of like those are like the the basic emotions that one can feel. Like mad, sad, glad, and a frad are the ones that uh, <laughs> yeah. she says. As like That's a hilarious. reminder. And I thought of that I was like folding laundry and just thinking about improv. And I was like, oh, it always just comes back to those. Like, what are those four emotions you can express and how can you expound on them? Mm-hmm. So those are a couple of good ones. That's I great. Think good starter ones there. But uh, maybe I'll uh, put a, a blog post together. Of, yeah, a bunch that'd of, be great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So now you are still rocking and rolling. It seems like still having fun and yep. you've been on these two great trips. So was there anything that stood out to you about improv theory have or, or about comedy in general that you picked up from being in Chicago and New York?
1: Absolutely. The two Cs, confidence and commitment, mm. honestly. I think this is something that came to me kind of right before the Chicago trip. I was watching a comedian perform, and then I, I saw it in real time in person. But confidence, what comes to mind is I, I saw this comedian doing a set, and one of his jokes didn't do well. And the thing that really impressed me was he just moved on. He just moved right on. And when, we were, when I was at Comedy Cellar at that one show where they were testing out some of their jokes, if a joke didn't work, they... They like commented about it like, oh, tough crowd, or that one's not gonna work, or I guess I won't do that one. You know, and and it's just like if you had never said anything and you moved right on to your next joke, no one really would have noticed. Because yeah. again, it goes back to that if you're if your only feedback is laughs, then you're missing the broad meaning of what it feels like to be entertained right and and intrigued by something. And so if you just move on, then your audience you're you're not losing trust with your audience by having this moment of weakness right and so the confidence and you I actually listened to your episode on confidence I thought it was really great thank you uh because that word has been just sticking out to me so much Mm -hmm. and and I and I think if you if you just move on like nothing happened it 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 reiterates trust with the audience like that you're you can hold enough space for yourself to like Mm -hmm. blow it and and fail and fall on your face and just be like fine and dust yourself off and like we're gonna keep going because there's more great stuff ahead right and that's that was big um that and then committing really one, yeah. yeah it's so important and then committing to a bit or committing to a character i just saw so many people commit and you can tell when someone hasn't committed and, it, and it, there's just a noticeable difference from the audience mm-hmm. so those two yeah. things were, I was inspired to really work those muscles after those trips.
0: That's sure. really cool. I love that you brought those up. And I think that in stand-up, you really get a lot of practice and confidence because you're facing the audience. So you definitely know <laughs> how they're feeling about it. Mm-hmm. And you're right. Every time someone goes, oh, guess that, you know, guess you guys didn't like that. Or they get mad at the audience. That's what actually derails the joke. That's what derails your set. It's not that they didn't laugh at that one joke or they didn't find that one joke funny. It was your reaction to that. Yeah. And that is sort of a doubling down on the moment. And it sort of solidifies it, which in regards to commitment, sometimes in improv, when you put something out there or in stand up, just in comedy in general, I guess you Mm -hmm. can put something out there once and people won't laugh. But when you put it down again and double down on it and commit to it, that's mm-hmm. when people laugh oftentimes. Yeah. So don't sweat that first time or two that it didn't go down. Have the confidence to get through that. And you, you mm-hmm. really can work that muscle a lot when it's stand up in a unique way, but totally. you can obviously work it in, in improv as well. And once you get that confidence to just power through and mm-hmm. then double down and commit on the thing. That can be the winning thing that that was needed. Just they just needed to hear it a second time. That's all. it was a good idea. You just need to commit again. You need to commit to continuing it. And that's it. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. when you what you when you choose to commit to. Well, they didn't laugh at that. Then that's what kills it. And that's what. Right. Finds the moment. I think the other thing that happens, too, is just people shrinking in the moment. They don't. Yell yeah. at anybody? They don't comment on it at all. They just ignore that whole moment and they move on like it didn't happen, which doesn't really work in comedy, or, or mm-hmm. particularly in improv comedy. Because right. you're, everyone saw it. It still needs to be true to the scene. Maybe it didn't get a laugh, but that's fine. It's still just details for the scene. So don't mm-hmm. shrink away from these details that you're putting out. It's going to be harder to play the scene. Yeah. So in general, confidence and commitment. That's mm-hmm. what's going to. Th- that's what's going to make stuff interesting and funny. Yeah.
1: You have to yes and yourself. Yep. Like you have to like, oh, I made this choice. Mm-hmm. Like not only does everyone else have to deal with the choice I made, I need to accept the choice that I made <laughs> and yeah. be like, yeah, that's right. Nine eleven. 11
0: <laughs> yeah you know i mean honestly and i've uh, there've been shows that i've been in where someone did something and the audience got seemed a little uncomfortable about it and the performer just said this was the thing that i did and i'm gonna keep on doing it because That's right. it's the thing i did and afterwards right. people respected that i feel like yeah
1: the people <laughs> do respect commitment <laughs> right
0: right like well then they meant to say that and they wanted to keep saying it it's funny <laughs> <laughs> and so it's still sort of like you just want to look like you know what you're doing up there, <laughs> so mm-hmm. like that confidence mm-hmm. really helps. That the, the, it makes an audience connect to the work better and lean in a little bit more when you yeah seem to know what you're doing, and when you bail mm-hmm. or when you shrink or when you get mad at the audience, you don't know you don't look like you know what you're doing. So totally, to you've broken
1: trust with them. You've True. broken. They don't trust. They don't trust that you. Can handle yourself up there and then they ask themselves if this was a waste of time and money right right (laughs) yeah like our job is to is i think not just performing but professionalism Mm -hmm. and and so that professionalism to to still deliver on the confidence aspect is is part of creating a good performance
0: yeah What's next to just keep trucking on, or do you have any big plans to add something new to the troop or to your direction?
1: Yeah. Well, our, our journey has been interesting in that we, we didn't perform. So we started in February and we didn't perform for the first time until June. Mm. And just because we didn't know what we were doing and we wanted to, to learn as much as we could. And then you're never ready, but we did a soft launch and invited about so just to add some context there was some strategy also in who i chose and why i chose them from, di- from different friend groups because if you can get the spheres of each of their friend groups and family and stuff you end up with a lot of people at shows right and so our soft launch was 80 people nice. and that was small and it but went I mean, really in well
0: rooms that's that's, that's uh, what i, I know house. that's
1: what, like. Yeah, exactly and so that's what was so fascinating about new york when i would talk about what we're doing in dallas yeah, they're not it's 150 just so seaters. different no yeah. i know <laughs> and so our neck our first official show was in july i think june july i don't remember the months but anyway um and we sold out to 200 person shows and that was really fun two in one night very awesome. and then we just did one end of august not just to, I can't keep track of when we've done these things, but anyway, we had another one and it went, it went very well too. We're doing a new product, which is called side salads. And those are going to be smaller. (laughs) So our first side salad is tomorrow night, actually. Oh, and so we've, we've got a smaller venue of about 70 people that, that will be there. And so that's, that's going to be really fun where we're we're treating side salads a little bit more like our experimental, or we can try some new stuff, test yeah. it out, just have fun, unplugged. Uh, a big thing, you know, when you do shows that are like 200 people, you have to worry about sound. And so mm-hmm. that was like production. So production was, uh, that was one of the biggest risks that I took financially was purchasing a lot of equipment. And wow. like, like mics, yeah. also because we film everything. So I wanted the audio
0: to be to good. Be good.
1: Yeah. And so that's been, it's been really fun to learn about all that stuff, but it enabled us. We, last night was our first paid gig from an outside source. So we got hired by this group that was doing a big college Christmas party. And so there were mm-hmm. 120 college students and, we showed up with our sound equipment and we were able to put on a show for them because we had the equipment that would allow us to travel. And That's so awesome. it went really well. It was super fun. So we had a great, great time last night. Probably one of our best shows is Christmas themed, which makes it funny. Super funny. <laughs> so there's so much you can do with that. That's
0: awesome. Congrats! So, yeah, it was that. great.
1: So we're, we are doing some new things, gigs and side salads. And we're, we feel a lot of freedom to just try out new stuff since every all yeah. of this is a an experiment. So we yeah. just are like the sky's the limit. <laughs> it started
0: as an experiment. Well, thats
1: it awesome. did. It really, really did. Yeah. yeah.
0: Well, we've reached mm-hmm. the end of the episode. It's time to create something together. Oh and I goodness. love this t- thought. <laughs> you you're gonna crush this because you've already no, done it once because okay, what I'd like to hear is your process for creating a troop and getting a troop together because you did it in such a unique way a lot of times an indie team is brought together because they were in classes together but mm-hmm. that's not how you did it it wasn't like it was like my indie team we were in classes together we liked each other so we did an indie team you know it's kind of like god did the work you know I right, didn't have to right. Do anything. but with you you thought like well there are these different friend groups and i want to bring people together so can you Breakdown if somebody else wanted to do something like that the way you did it. Can you do like yeah. a bullet point of how to do that?
1: Well, first it starts with just believing that improv is kind of for everybody. It's yeah. such a good exercise for everyone to get to a place where they're open and can say yes and to others and themselves. That's why improv troops and individuals are hired by it for corporate events, because it's just a great personal exercise. So if you can see that improv is for everybody, then you realize it doesn't necessarily have to be the most experienced that belong on a Mm troupe. It's really just people getting together to learn the process of improv together and have a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. So it probably starts with just asking yourself, who do I have a lot of fun with? Who do I enjoy? Who do I have good chemistry with? Who do I have good timing with in social settings? And then I do think it requires some vision, like having vision and the ability to cast vision. And honestly, you'll find out who's good for your troop if they say yes, because the concept of improv is yes. And, and so if you've got people that are like, that does sound really fun, that's probably a good sign that they should be on your troop. If you really like them and they really like this idea, that's a great target audience for who to select. If there's people that are like, I don't know. I don't know. Like if they're already in a no mindset, yeah, it's probably true. They'll carry that into the troops. So don't push too hard. Right. You want people that want you. So, Mm -hmm. so yeah, I think it's about approaching people, casting vision and we, we sat together and cast vision of creating a safe space of, we don't really care where this goes, but we're open of being a group of learners And I think beyond that, it's really just like the time commitment of practicing together and and spending time together. So
0: I love that approach. I love that approach Mm -hmm. because I think a lot of people might go, well, this person's really good or I bet this person's really good. But I like that you said, well, who do I have a lot of fun joking around with? Who do I have Mm -hmm. a lot of chemistry with? Because that's actually the more important thing. Right. just saying they're good and right. I want to attach myself to that it's better to mm-hmm. say I'm attached to this person in this way mm-hmm. that's that's natural it's organic yeah and would you suggest- Or oh, I'll ahead.
1: add one thing too because <laughs> I I think it also comes down to who I want to see in a scene together yeah like oh man If I put these people in a room together, I would have a good time, right? And so they don't even have to know each other. You kind of have to get creative about like imagining two people who don't know each other trying to make a scene and like, would that be magic or not? Mm -hmm. So that's another thing that that comes to mind too.
0: Did you Mm -hmm. also have to ask them in person so you can kind of gauge their tone? Because like an email, Mm -hmm. if someone's like, oh, it sounds like a good idea. Who knows if they sound excited about it?
1: No, I I definitely went to coffee with every single one. I was like, hey, I have an interesting idea that I want to share with you. Can we go to coffee? (laughs) And I created the like mystery and intrigue of like, you know, I I have this mysterious idea. Do you want to learn more? (laughs) It's not an MLM. Don't worry. (laughs)
0: out yeah that is the thing I I was I had a flash in my mind of like yeah I bet people would say yes to the coffee with her but I wonder if they were really relieved when they found out it was improv (laughs) (laughs)
1: Yeah,
0: (laughs) definitely there it is thanks so much for being on the podcast Kristen
1: so fun thank you for having me Jason this is incredible it was so great meeting you I'm honored truly honored that you invited me to be on here
0: I loved that point at the end. Don't push when you ask someone to be in your improv troupe. If they don't want to, then they may not be the best for you to collaborate with. Salad Comedy has a big show coming up on February 10th, and a team of great Brooklyn Comedy Collective performers are opening up. Go to saladcomedy.com for details and follow them on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at Salad Comedy. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at There It Is Pod, and subscribe to our YouTube channel at There It Is follow me on Twitter at Jason Farr Jokes and Instagram at Jason Farr Picks. Also subscribe to our Comedy Lifestyle newsletter and support us if you can. We have a Patreon and a PayPal. Go to thereitispod.com for newsletter and support info. Links in bio. Until next time, be good to each other.
1: The music for the theme song was created by Neil Brooks. The rap was written and performed by Nick Acevedo. The logo for There It Is was created by Jeff Prater. The There It Is podcast is produced by Jason Farr.